0: Alright, you got anything? Ah, uh, I can hear you now. There you are. I had uh, I had uh, Logic running and uh, iMovie at the same time, oh. but I don't think it knew what the hell to do with the <laughs> You're Look just at trying. you! You're, you look at you! It's good to see and hear you, my brother! Oh, you too, man. I see your it, book behind you.
1: Yeah. yes, my uh, product placement. Pretty subtle, huh? Hey, look at me. <laughs> I know. I like it. Plus all the toys and accoutrement.
0: Dude, I like the beard. It's looking good. Look, I'm right behind you.
1: Thank you. Yeah. You know, I um, I got tired of like the whole thing and I thought, well, I'll just shave the sides and just kind of keep this mess going and see what happens, you know?
0: <laughs> nice shirt, by the way. Dude, I got to show you this. Yeah. This is my, my Japanese destroyer shirt. Oh, that is freaking sweet. You know, if you, if you uh, as you should,
1: over. go on to uh, Heavy Metal Horror Podcast and subscribe, as you should. Yes. Um, and Happy to. And watch our episode we did a few weeks back called our Top 10 Album Covers of All Time. Destroyer? Um, that was my pick. Okay. Um, as, like, the coolest album art. I mean, when, that captured everything that the 10-year-old Mark nine-year-old mark wanted yeah. to rock it's like yeah, comic too, books. Man. it's like it was just adventure danger it was like oh my god right in my wheelhouse and i thought absolutely yeah this is what this were is
0: some of bed. the other ones i don't want to spoil it for you man no. oh okay okay
1: but i i will say the um my first choice i believe number 10 for me was boston their first album uh that cover is just gorgeous those spaceships yeah guitars and the flames coming out you know um and another one i'll i'll give this one away because it's i think it was my number five pick uh merciful fate don't break Ooh. the oath
0: okay wow it's just, i mean
1: it's so rock and roll it I means you got this yellow flames and this like or red flames and this like demon coming through and pointing you know i mean it's just so metal you can't yeah you know you, so yeah but that's a, that's a good one um i
0: got it. i think destroyer is my favorite one I think, well, maybe, uh, I mean, I like, I like this this one too.
1: (laughs) Yes. That is an awesome one. That is like right next to destroyer.
0: I mean, it's a hard fight. I've got, uh, I've got all of my, this is so cool for me because I, uh, I've got all of my, I was lucky. I found a good copy of the books. Nice. I I have like, you know, I like the second book so much better. Um, and I have like, 300 copies of these but this one where i don't think the writing is nearly as good i didn't even you know i'll get into more of it later yeah i can't i can't keep these you know still you know so i don't i don't know if any are. i think they're still on amazon too yeah yeah Um, okay you know
1: but let me how about if i do my intro let's do it and then we'll get going how's that all right hey this is mark justice again Welcome back to Between the Lines and tonight, kids. Dr. Head. <laughs> Dr. Head. That's right. <laughs> Dr. Head on Unsane Radio. And don't forget on Heavy Metal Horror. I'm Monte. Uh, tonight we've got a good friend and a good brother. Uh, Tim Price. Uh, I love you, man. Um hey you I- too,
0: Mar. It's so great that- it is. It's, it's I mean, we talk thank you know, I know Facebook has its undesirable parts, but you know, I gotta tell you. We wouldn't be able to. We wouldn't be able to keep up without it so much. I mean, we talk almost every day on there, but it is a pleasure to hear your voice
1: and yours as well to see your face moving instead of a static picture. Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> um, no, I agree. I, I'm so grateful for this technology. Oh man! So Tim, welcome to Between the Lines. Welcome thanks, to the show. Thanks for inviting um, me. This um, is I'm, awesome. You know, I'm so happy that we're that you're here. We can get a chance to talk and not just about your books. I mean, I certainly want you to be able to showcase your books and your ministry. Sure, sure. Um, but just, just to like, get to
0: catch up with you, man, it's been like, yeah. it feels forever. So yeah. I'm just, you know, I, I'm like, I feel bad for you. Cause I'm like, and look at this. And look no, at this! no, and it's and all and good, man. I, I got this. I got, this <laughs> I got, look at this. There's that. You know?
1: Yeah. No, this is fantastic. I mean, no, this is good, man. I mean, eventually we're going to get around to writing. Uh, but, but this is, I knew, you know, I, I wanted to make sure that you had opportunities to talk about, oh, nice, all these things. And this is one thing I really like about you that I've always liked about you as a friend, not just because you're such a great guy and just a a nice human being. I admire your passion and, and I admire your dedication to, to these things. And you have, there's an exuberance that comes from within. It just kind of bubbles out of you. And, and so whether it's that like kid inside that just is always excited to be around that, or just, just an actual exuberance about, just living um but that's just one thing i've always liked about you so well, no this thanks. is this is awesome i mean look if they've watched this first seven or eight episodes and they're still hanging in with us then you know they're nothing's is gonna throw them now so thanks for watching that's
0: and awesome. uh, yeah, gonna, you
1: know yeah but but they're just gonna you know this is for, awesome.
0: for so many of us you know monster kaiju pop culture fans whatever you want to say i mean I can't speak for anybody, but I can speak for me that when I was growing up, you know, um, I grew up in a dysfunctional house, you know, there was, there was a lot of drinking, there was a lot of, you know, anybody who grew up in that environment understands what I'm talking about. And uh, so trauma is created from that. And just, um, and and I'll connect this to the books in a few seconds. Um, but in all actuality godzilla number one godzilla number one followed by pretty much anything ray harryhausen then science fiction um pop culture comedy i loved jerry lewis the marx brothers all of that stuff um i loved music um all of those became not only my passion but my escape Uh So that's how I I got away from a lot of the reality of my upbringing was to throw on one of these movies, you know, and uh, or to go to my, you know, my monster from screen to screen book by Ed Naha and all those big coffee table monster books we had or, or, you know, um, go on, go on the TV and try to find a comedy movie or something like that. But honestly, that's why I'm so passionate about it. And as my, my life took another direction as I got older um, coming out of that part of my life, I was so grateful pretty much just to be alive and grateful that um, I could relive all of this stuff and I could come back to it. That's why, that's why G Fest is so special to me, you know, and, and that's why it, it it means so much to me to go there and meet people like you, and other folks who go, and all of the friendships we make. And um, yeah, dude, I'm real passionate about it. I, I mean, maybe even to a fault, but uh, I I don't know if I could be any other way. Sure. No, I get
1: it. I get it. I, I think we. I, I was a monster kid as well.
0: Yeah. You know, I think most of us can say that who are
1: in our age. Um, Grew up watching things like Ultraman And Johnny
0: um, (laughs) Sacco Johnny Sacco And Giant Robo
1: Yeah Ultraman and um, Speed Racer You know Kimba the White Lion And then Godzilla and Gamera you know I, or always I, I watched them every you know every day I come home from school and there's Ultraman you know in the evening and Johnny Sacco and uh, I just kind of grew up on it and, and there yep. was no American entertainment like that it didn't matter to me where it was coming from I just fell madly in love with this this genre this kaiju genre or yeah um, Tokusatsu or whatever tokusatsu, you want to call it yeah um that special effects kiddies that's what that means a kind of a special effects series like Power yep. Rangers yeah live no, action or, yeah live action special effects um you know and then as i got older i found you know common writer and things like that um mm-hmm. which were just you know great fun so there's still part of me that every time i watch these movies i still feel like i'm a 10 year old kid or eight year old kid because i just i still love them in that in that area yeah. you know um and so I, I think that there's part of it like the new legendary movies just don't spark it at, it's the same for me. There's something mm-hmm. different, they're a little more serious, a little more realistic. I think maybe sure. that's part of it, but um, everything's
0: so serious nowadays. Yeah. I think it's so serious.
1: Right. And there was something about these movies after the first couple movies, you know, when, by the time King Kong versus Godzilla comes out in 62, they'd realize, okay, the more you see a monster, the less scary it becomes. And then mm-hmm. they bring in humor intentional humor into the script and i think that's why like king kong versus godzilla is probably
0: probably my favorite Of and it was written as a comedy yeah isn't it funny how many uh like kaiju fans are also musicians yeah i know you are too i am right isn't that wild and that's pretty crazy yeah Yeah. and it's kind of cool we're kind of our we're kind of our own unique blend Mm -hmm. Well,
1: let's let's talk about
0: some writing. Yes, please. Okay, I,
1: I've got a whole bunch of questions here. You've We're
0: already answered already some about of them.
1: an hour in. Yeah, I know. It's like, eh, it's okay. This is a, this is a
0: casual conversation between friends. <laughs> I, you know? I gotta tell you, Mark, I, I've done, I've done a bunch of these, these interviews, and it usually goes this way. I've decided that yes, it is me. I talk too much. <laughs> it's okay. I you know, I, I have no problem with that. I mean, I've got no agenda
1: other than to get to know writers. And that's kind of that's why I did this show. I've met so many wonderful writers through Instagram that and, and people who write in genres that I'm not familiar with or do mm-hmm. things and, and and I thought I got I've gotta find a way to not only get to know them and talk from one writer to another. You know but also to give them a place to showcase their work and a platform Absolutely. where they can talk about mm-hmm. what makes them excited and and it's it's a good cross-pollination you know um i help promote them they promote me the show you know and i just think there's enough room f- at the top of the hill for everybody to plant their flags and Absolutely. see who salutes it you know I'm, I'm in no competition with anyone else and i just really like getting to know people i love mm-hmm. this idea of podcasting doing interviews. And and having it out there in the world, you know, it's just it's very exciting, you know, for me. And even though we've been friends for ages, this is like the first time I think that we sat and talked about like writing together.
0: There's usually I mean, a lot going on around us. When yeah, we're you're
1: at the table. You were at the table when you're for G Fest, or we're talking about G Fest things, or just oh, hanging watching out, watching
0: movies. And, yeah, and
1: mm-hmm. and so I'm I'm really excited uh, to talk about that. So let's go into talking about something picture stuff i like starting with the big picture questions like who were some of your favorite writers growing up some of your favorite writers some of your favorite books
0: well growing up um i didn't read much fiction growing up uh i loved i loved coffee table horror books i loved reading bios and and books about movies and how movie like my favorite book was the making of king kong Um, but I also loved any movie that talked about horror movies in general, um, pop culture. Um, and believe it or not, I think I, I get some of my writing chops from that because I venture into that pop culture area quite often, but, um, believe it or not. And I know this will probably sound cliche, but as far as, um, um, science fiction goes, I I loved HG Wells. Mm-hmm. And I mean I, I immediately want to take this over to my War of the Worlds collection. Nice. You know? And uh but that was that was the I saw long before I read any book, I was watching way too much TV and I saw um George. So grateful Powell. that
1: TV raised us, right?
0: <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> and it did a fine job. <laughs> yeah, we're we're mostly
1: normal, right? Yeah,
0: mostly. Um, <laughs> I remember watching the 1953 George Powell war of the worlds, you know, the big enchilada one. Mm -hmm. And I remember just falling in love with every, and this was after I was a Godzilla fan too already, but I remember falling in love with absolutely everything to do with film and story and special effects. And, and, um, even, even the fear factor a little bit, you know, of, the idea that movie scared me man it scared me those alien
1: ships hovering yeah the sounds they
0: make it's so very creepy
1: that that, hissing warbling sound metallic and vibrating yeah it's absolutely
0: you know it it was scary and then it was that movie though that inspired me to read my first novel which okay. when I was young, and that was War of the Worlds. You know, nice. was, that's a great read, novel yeah. available. I went to the yeah. library and picked it up. Oh yeah, and it scared the crap out of me. I totally get it. The yeah, love and, and, that and stuff's that, always classic. There's a reason why
1: it's classic.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that that the Time Machine's a wonderful book too. That that even gets a little, it, it gets a little unnerving at times. You know, when you're reading it. Um, and of course I, you know, I loved and loved Stephen King. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I do and. But then again, I like Dan Brown and I believe it or not, I I love the Harry Potter series too. I mean, mm-hmm. I I read that faithfully. It was fun, it was exciting. Um, I didn't love every aspect of it, but it was still fun. And and I like things I I like things that are that's quite the hero journey i mean we're talking what eight books long of a hero yeah journey it's amazing leader.
1: i mean so, i i i've never read them never really felt compelled to i was more pulled in by Rowling's story you know yeah homeless and me too me and too poverty stricken to like the yep. world's first billionaire author yeah um i mean kudos good for you yeah you know absolutely. like that's amazing. So I'm happy for her for her journey. Yeah, I would. I would love to have written a series that was a tenth of su- as successful, and I'd be happy with a hundred million. I'm okay with that. I'm not gonna be well, too you're greedy. Not, you're
0: not greedy. <laughs> no, I'm
1: not gonna be too greedy. I'll, yeah. I'll yeah. take a hundred million sure um you know that's still plenty i am
0: to sh- I'm share with, with my
1: friends yeah exactly
0: and don't forget i'm your friend i'm not,
1: <laughs> not forgetting at all you're gonna have you're gonna have a so many eight millimeter movies you won't know what to do with them uh, <laughs> we're, gonna, we're gonna we're gonna have you open up a, an eight millimeter theater for people to come oh, in charge be- them, just charge them a dime to come in have popcorn and watch movies
0: oh my gosh <laughs> I, I my life would come full circle you know if that <laughs> exactly. happened. exactly so,
1: right that would, that would be called that because it's
0: amazing and i would without any hesitation say that hg wells is my favorite author nice no mm-hmm. oh,
1: well you can't go wrong with that yeah. yeah so what was it that first drew you into writing like when you when what was the switch saying
0: you know what i want to write well i think uh I think a lot of us will relate to this Uh, along with using um, monster movies and films and comedy as a great escape growing up as a kid, I I started dabbling in it. You know, I mean, you can probably relate. You're sitting at school and it's like, you watched a Godzilla movie the night before and it's like, I want to write my own Godzilla story. And I remember uh, the first, book or first story that i ever wrote that got past one chapter because <laughs> um, i i've got a billion unwritten books um uh Don't we all <laughs> yeah it, it was about <laughs> so i grew up in minnesota and it was you know i remember my my family had gone up to duluth and i think i was like eight or nine years old and we went to there's there's a radisson hotel there that has a spinning restaurant on top that overlooks Lake Superior. Um, It's still there, but it's kind of, it's sort of like how Tokyo is now. It's engulfed by larger buildings. And, uh, And I remember starting my story of how Godzilla's in Lake Superior, and he comes up from Lake Superior, and my main character is at that restaurant on top of the Radisson spinning around. And it's like, Every time it spins around, Godzilla is closer and closer. And I thought it was so cool, you know. What a and, uh... great dramatic tension. Hold on. Yeah. We gotta
1: wait four minutes for the thing to rotate.
0: Yeah, I know. It's like <laughs> it's like yeah, and I thought it was so cool, but you know, it's like you're just sitting at your table. Oh my gosh. Then you spin. That's oh right. my gosh. You spin. You <laughs> but know, as it's a like, kid though,
1: you're thinking, yeah, we're going to come around. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is a great visual device. It reminds me a little bit of like, uh, if it was spinning this fast, it would have been. Yeah. Right. No, that's, that's wonderful. So do you still have that story? Do you have a copy? Um, It's,
0: it's, it's around somewhere, but you want to hear okay. something. I took that idea and there's a part in big in Japan book one where I emulate that, that whole idea Mm -hmm. where it's a strobe-like effect. And when the, the, there, there, this is a virtual cornucopia of all sorts of nasties.
1: Good. This is what I was going to ask about you next. So let's, let's go ahead and talk about Japan and book two as well.
0: Yeah. So there's a, there's a scene where, where the aliens are coming down and uh, they've breached the EIO And the EIO is, and there's definitely a lot of EIEIO jokes. Um, The EIO is the earth intelligence organization and aliens have breached it to come help them against, I mean, you're going to find there's a lot of familiarity here, um, especially probably to the, the Showa era of um, Kaiju films. And uh, as the head alien is getting closer there's a strobe light going. So it's like, he's here, he's here, he's here. And pretty soon he's right in front of um, the head of the EIO, whose name is Jack. Um, they call him Sir Jack is right in front of his face. And he goes, Jesus Christ. Cause he's uh, he's, he's very, I don't want to, I, I would love for people to read this stuff because, uh, and I want to get my thoughts in order because Sir Jack is A really cool character and i might give away who he is just so it might drum up some interest in the story so um do you want me to kind of give the whole rundown on
1: that's totally up to you i mean i I was going to describe this as like a wild ride of rock and roll giant monsters mecha, aliens and it's just so much fun it's it's Mm -hmm. like it's like a roller coaster ride And, and that's what i liked about i mean i so much about it and um i
0: think it's wildly entertaining and i, I want I would, to uh yeah. if you don't mind i'd yeah. love to give kudos to on the first book to alan barnes and alan is the one who did yes. the cover art he certainly did isn't that wonderful it's beautiful and of course he did the back cover art and yeah. it was the the whole idea was that the book was originally going to be a comic book mm-hmm. and Uh, I had talked to Alan about the story and he said, well, why don't we do a comic book? And I said, okay. And, and comic book writing is so different than writing a novel. Of course, Um, I had too many words. So he said, we have to keep it to a, a limited amount of words so we can rely on the panels to tell the story through drawings. And then pretty soon I overshot that. And then all of a sudden I made too many words. I said, well, why don't I just do a novella? Pretty soon I passed that up, you know, and then it just wound up becoming what we decided to make just a, uh, illustrated novel. And his, his, his art throughout the book mm-hmm. is so wonderful. And, uh, he just captured so many of the, the creatures. Oh, I, yeah. love, I love his style and that's Zargatron. And like, even, uh, um, this in, mm-hmm. in london and but it's so rare that you get an illustrated
1: novel anymore it reminds me of the books i had as i was a kid yeah you know, like that that you would i had like a treasure island that was like that yeah yeah and and he had these nice great drawings pencil like drawings like like sketches yep you know i oh, love that yeah one. that's fantastic so it, i mean the artwork is amazing yeah it
0: really is it really is and he was the driving force on that um he um we you know, I had the characters and the idea. Um, but I gotta tell you, Alan Alan uh when I told him I wanted them to, to um pilot a mech, a giant mech, um, since uh the mech was coming from the United States, he said, Well, why don't we make it a giant cowboy robot? You know, where if it was coming from Japan, it'd be a samurai. Sure. His idea was the cowboy mech. And, uh, and I said, well, if we're going to have a cowboy mech, we got to call him the Duke. Sure. You know, there, there's no other word, but which is really cool. These guys were a big part of this to give you kind of a quick synopsis of the first book. And and I'll tell you why I wrote two of them too. Um, instead of the traditional three. Um, well, I, if I can anticipate, I remember
1: you talking about this going to kind of leads into something I was going to talk about a little bit down the road, but it's part of your ministry yes right i yes. mean the two books you said the characters is based off of you both before and after your sobriety absolutely and Indeed. i thought that was a really really wonderful way to you know i think writing is always cathartic and and you know i i have used writing to process sure. as well um i think it's important It's a, the act of writing allows you to it's it's like the best kind of therapy there is because you're yeah. just allowing yourself to channel and deal with all the emotional baggage and and harm and damage that have has happened to you or you've done to yourself and and try to come to some understanding yeah. with it and then and then allow yourself to say okay you understand it you can come to a place of of at least setting it out there so it's
0: not mm-hmm. inside anymore and it's and it's you know? it's very therapeutic. I I love
1: yes I I love how you've kind of brought so much of this not only the, the personal experience I mean that's the thing that writers are always taught you know the first thing you're taught in, in yep. any creative writing class is write what you know yep. and exactly. I think that's why Stephen King writes about writers Yep. so and, and, much and alcoholics and alcoholics and, and bull, problems with bullies Mr. King I'd and love Satan. to have you on the show And I, I get it we, we get it you, <laughs> yeah. you're a writer we get it <laughs> Can you write someone different, please? Um Yeah, like, like he's gonna come on our show. Um <laughs> now, now you he probably know. Will. You never He'll, know. Probably hey, I think it's I a like, great
0: show. I love it. Son of
1: a bitch, Justice is calling me out. I gotta go in between the lines. <laughs> look, look, Stephen King. Yeah, you show me up, Mr. King. I'm come here. On, man <laughs> Definitely do it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but you're right. That's and that's that's why um
1: well that's, well, that's why I love it's why I wanted to tell you The city is bring about is this concept of show what you know, you write what you know, but you're also bringing all your passions to front. Yeah, and, and yeah, together, the worlds of music, the worlds of Kaiju, you know, all these all these kinds of things are coming together. And this is kind of my segue into the, the low, the,
0: the low self esteem
1: part. Yeah, the, all the,
0: that. Because each I mean, parta- we talked about this earlier, because in uh, the first book is Tommy. And he's dealing with his low self-esteem, his, uh, his inferior complex, inferiority complex, and all of these things that I, I suffered with. Um, however, I dealt with that by drinking and drugging and winding up in treatment and having a almost 20-year battle with uh, illicit drugs and alcohol, right? So as Tommy finds himself, Nathan in the book, Tommy's going this way. He's going up and Nathan's going down. So, and Nathan at one point gets so wasted in the book that he can't pilot the mech, and he destroys drunk driving the giant robot. (laughs) He destroys half of Tokyo. Luckily he doesn't kill anybody. um, But only in fiction, right? Right. um, Because in uh, the start of the second book, all of a sudden Nathan is the protagonist and it starts off with Nathan in rehab. And that's the start of the book. And what's kind of cool about the second book and why I like it, I like the, I'll be honest. Um, I, I, I personally think I did a better job as a, a writer. I don't know about story, but as a writer, I think I did a better job. I did a better job taking time to outline. I took a better job because there's, there's a lot of things like, I love this book. Don't get me wrong. I wrote it. I love it. But there's, there's some fluff in there where it just like, you know, it just goes off on a tangent because I was, it was the first novel that I finished. So it's like, you know, often as writers, when we're writing, all of a sudden you can take a little left turn and it can steer your book in an entirely different direction sure. just from one paragraph. Yeah. Um, and I wrote a couple of those, <laughs> I wrote a couple of those paragraphs where uh, I, I thought it was cool, but in a sense, maybe it wasn't necessary, you know, but. Uh, that's what good I editing still, will do.
1: Cause you can always cannibalize that stuff for something else.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. So, but that's that. And, um, and, and the thing about the second book that I really like is. As Nathan, um, he leaves the band and he's kind of pursuing a solo career (laughs) because that's what all lead singers do when they've had enough. Sure. And um, there's all sorts of things and people that kind of pop up during it, including uh, a new kaiju. And the new kaiju is a, I love this art. The new kaiju is is a mecha tarantula named King Taraxian. And King Taraxian is a metaphor for Nathan's addiction. And there's like a point in the book where in addiction, um, where eventually we have to face our demons and face ourselves. And um, I never got this illustration in the book. And I really wish I would have. Because Alan did a fine job, you know, when you're in the Throws of editing and putting it all together and how many pictures you're going to have per chapter, you know, you get Mm -hmm. moving pretty fast at what you're going to do. Sure. There's, there's a scene in the book where uh, Nathan comes face to face with his demons. So he's, he's staring at the eight eyes. Literally he's about to get mauled by the giant spider and he sees his reflection in the eight eyes of his demon, which is the spider, which is a metaphor for his addiction. And Oh, it just, and, and another thing that happened while I was, I had to take a six month, no a year break from writing the second book because my father died while I was writing the book and that, that shows up, it shows sure. up, but it started going so dark and I always want to keep it light. You know, I don't want it. I want there to be an underlining message, um, of how we can, we can deal with our low self-esteem how we have a choice we don't have to we don't have to believe what the committee says you know or if we have addictions that we can we can battle our addictions we can we can fight it we're not we're not we're not done you know and we're not done in by these and we have the the opportunity to not only become um better people in our it's so important that we like ourselves you know and and i'm not saying by any means that we walk around and we come we we become narcissists and you know and we're i'm talking about simply enjoying being in your own skin and for me i couldn't do it i couldn't enjoy being in my own skin where the only way i felt comfortable i had to medicate with chemicals you know and that's pretty common with addiction you know but that's what i was going to say earlier the same thing about the ministry kind of came with this book where i felt if one person read the book and it made as tommy's hero journey progresses and he learns more about himself you know there there's a scene where i I love the scene where he saves a group of people from a kaiju Right, and he's in his ship, and he swerves down, and, and they're they're done, they're done, and they're all looking up, and they're 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 holding their children, and their life is flashing in front of their eyes, and and he can almost hear the screams from inside his ship, and he goes down, and he thwarts the spider crab, and then all of a sudden his whole life changes. All of a sudden he doesn't being a rock star is not as important and his thoughts about his low self-esteem and this pale in comparison to the act of saving so many people he calls it puny he says my thoughts and my my dream i can't remember it verbatim it's been a long time just seemed puny compared to the intent of saving these lives and it's kind of i gotta tell you i read it i'm like I can't believe I wrote that, you know, because it's pretty cool, you know. Yeah. But if if the book helps one person who reads it and they go, "Hey, Mark, this this happened at G Fest, and uh, did you go to any of the Big in Japan panels?" We would have, you know, I'm sure I did. I mean, oh my gosh, we'd have a hundred people in there, hundred people in there with their Big in Japan books and drawings, and and I remember one of them saying dude, I'm Tommy. I am Tommy. I remember him saying that. And I just, I remember at first it kind of eked me out that somebody was so connected with a character that I created that was based off of myself. Yeah. But then when he said, dude, I am Tommy, I knew where he was coming from. He was saying, I struggle with low self-esteem and uh, I'm not letting myself believe that I'm the great person that, that I'm supposed to be, you know, or I'm just not comfortable in my own skin where i can like myself i gotta tell you for me to write a novel that was 286 pages um i don't remember exactly how many words it took what i call writer's fluid to keep me going you know because especially on the second one because you know i uh you know, when you write a book about rock stars fighting giant monsters, and a couple critics get a hold of it, they're they're really not too sweet about it. You know, and uh, well, that's why
1: we're given two middle fingers, and so we don't wear just the one out.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Right. You know, but this is the
1: point, though. It's fiction. It's fun. It's it's yeah. it's not. It's fantasy.
0: It's yeah. not meant to be taken seriously. Well, I felt good about it. A, you know, a, a like, like somebody somebody had done a review. And I liked what somebody had commented on the review. The re- boy, it was a review that just slammed the book to. It's like to the point where I wonder if this is a somebody I know. <laughs> you know I did, <laughs> a personal a, grudge, you know, an yes. ex-girlfriend or something. You know, and, uh, <laughs> you know but that somebody somebody had wrote on there. Um, I don't think this was meant to be War and Peace. And I went, I went, wow, yeah, that's exactly great, right? Oh, thank yeah. you, thank you. Yeah,
1: exactly. Dumb. What
0: do you not get about it? you know what you know what neil peart says Um uh, the uh the drummer from rush who passed oh, yes. away a couple of years ago yeah. um he had a great saying that i came across a couple of years ago where he says um i don't take stock in the positive reviews because then I or I don't believe in all of the positive reviews, because then I have to believe the negative reviews. Sure. You know, so he, but just, he didn't it, like praise anyway. It was yeah, 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 he was him. totally like that. But yeah, I kind
1: but, of like that. Let's 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 go back around here to to world building. Um, I, we've talked about character development, which which I know a lot of the characters come from your personal experience. Um And, you know, there's the two main characters here, but let's, let's a little bit look into the concept of world building. These characters have to live in an environment. So, Mm -hmm. how did you kind of design this world? You know, like what aspects of this world, you know, do you, do you like The, the most?
0: The, the world is basically, if I had to put it in any time or space, it would probably, it would probably be the present time, but it's more of a Showa era world okay. where a lot of the monsters and a lot of the tech, if you look at um, like um, um, Akira Takarada's character. It's plain and simple. It's from the 68 era. Mm-hmm. King Kong now, estate. for people
1: who don't understand what we mean by Showa, if you're not a Godzilla fan or a Kaiju monster, Kaiju is a giant monster. Yep. Um, Showa is an era of Godzilla films yep. uh, from the early one, 1954, that went all the way to, I think, 70, uh, 74.
0: Yeah, Mecha Godzilla, went uh, Mecha Godzilla was the last one. And then 75, started, yeah. The, yeah. That was yeah, called the I Showa
1: know. era of films. Yeah. Then the next era called the Heisei, Heisei. that began in 1980. You said it right.
0: Yeah, the 1984
1: to about 1995, Destroyer. 95, 95 yep. and then the Millennium series, which was 99 through what was the last one, Final Wars, 2004, um, 2004 2005, and then right. the um, current series, which is uh, Shin,
0: Shin. So, um yep. Anyway, absolutely. Yeah, I'm very good. So I would say my world is kind of a Showa era Japan, but there's. There's some modern twists on it. Like uh, um, um, a lot of the world is kind of my world. It's kind of my world. I took, I took events from when I toured. I took a few hotel trashings from when I was literally on the road and some of the things we did a little more exaggerated um, um, because they have a lot more money than I did. So they could, they could take it to the next level. Um, But um. It's also a world where um shit happens. I, I mean uh, i I mean places get nuked, places get yeah. destroyed, and I don't want to give anything away, but it's like it's not like you're reading it and in the nick of time so and so or this place is gonna get saved because it doesn't always happen in my books. Yeah, so it's created a whole new world. There's um, a lot of gravitas to the books. As
1: much as they're fun, there, there, there is a lot of fun. And like I said, this is a roller coaster they, action ride. Duty but there's too, something. Yeah. There's a lot of underlying current of seriousness yeah. here. I, I, I want, to forge I ahead and get through some more of these questions, sure. if it's all right. Shoot, um, shoot them at me, brother. I, well, because you've talked about character, and and you know, I love the fact that you have all these characters, and I can obviously see that you're borrowing. Since you got the James Bond, you want the Q, you want these other kind of figures. You got yourselves in there. You got these your heroes. Was, you know takaratas on um let's i want to talk about your your creative process okay you now we, we talked about your world building so you know how did the how does your creative process work like when you have an idea like this idea because you've done other writing non-fiction um but how does that begin for you like let's like take you take us through the process of the kernel of the idea to finish product
0: my uh my creative process for both music and writing for me kind of happened in the same way um, where I get ideas, you know, and I'm sure you can relate to that. You're, you're, you're driving in your car, you're in your office, you're somewhere. All of a sudden it's like you get, Whoa, you get mm-hmm. hit on the back of the head. And all of a sudden it's like this, this idea i get a lot of ideas like that i um i literally on my my phone uh for writing writing ideas music ideas i have a dictaphone and i immediately when i get those ideas i get a lot of them at night when i'm laying yeah. in bed right you now and if it's you like, don't if write it down immediately person, your brain's gonna you forget, forget, it, in forget it if you're a creative yeah. person put your phone right next to your bed so you can just go over there and grog into it with the idea is yes so you this have is what I, have. I always forget those all of a sudden i'm thinking rock stars fighting kaiju and, and think of the multi-levels of big in japan big right. meaning kaiju sure i mean what about the big man uh, japan
1: you know i, I thought tap, about that afterwards. sex farm is is big in japan i mean the, yeah, all yeah. that and how many rock and musicians?
0: Stuff. How many musicians say, "Well, my band's really big in Japan." Yeah, I know, you know that's a dream come true, right? Yeah. So right there, yeah. that's where the whole idea, uh, and it stemmed not from uh, the thought, stemmed from the name. The sure. name is what drove the thought. Yeah. So and I then, get it. And but then that's the all other, it all takes sometimes. time. Sometimes yeah,
1: it's that yeah. spark. It just everything comes out of that.
0: Well, and then a lot of things for me, creative wise. Um, I get a lot of inspiration from music. When I uh, um, "Big in Japan" one was written primarily to the soundtrack of Godzilla versus Megaguirus, okay, and GMK, and to Daimajin. That's where you know all um, um, Daimajin being uh, a Fukube. Um, but I always got such great inspiration from that kind of music sure you know music's
1: and, very i was that was one thing I, I i'm gonna mark that scratch that off uh on my my list like do you listen to music as you write um all my books i have a, a writing playlist on my jukebox yeah. has thousands of hours yes it no words it, no it's words. like a lot of 30s music like my in my cozy mystery series one of the characters who is an autistic Young man so you, you who has a radio station.
0: Music for the era
1: of your book. Well, it's not set in the '30s; it's set now. But he loves because I love '30s music, and so I have it. And, and part of Juniper, the town, is there's this sense of anachronism. You know, things are kind of stuck in time, but in a good way. Yeah. It's not a horrible way. So th- I wanted a '30s music station. So that's, that's you know awesome. in there. But when I write, like when I wrote Death's Head Um, because it's set in the early 1930s. It's set near Haiti. It's got voodoo. It's got zombies. I, I found, like, Real voodoo music, drums, and chants, and I had big found a big like five-hour clip on YouTube and I listened to that for a month. That was my job. I wanted to write this book That's in a awesome. month. And I would just stick on this. And and after about a you know, three or four days, I kind of got to know where the parts were. Like at 45 minutes in, there was this really nice passage I liked. Yep. About yep. three hours in, I'm like, yeah, I like this part, <laughs> you know. Me too. But after hearing voodoo what about, drums what about for gauge? a month, what it was gauge like black? gauge black. I listened to a lot of Slayer.
0: Oh, did you really?
1: Yes. I was um, going to say like Enrico was, Marconi. <laughs> no, well, no, that would be awesome. Yeah. This, this, because there was such a level, I mean, it, it's a, it's a revenge story. I mean, at at its heart, mm-hmm. it's a splatter Western. So it's grim, it's dark, it's violent. Um, and it, it, it I, it was intensely fueled by hate. And I tried to make it reach into the darkest parts of me you know elements of hate in my id and try to like bring it out in a sure. way that like oh my god because by the time i mean the the, the criticisms i received on gauge were pretty good the feedback like as far as my writing you know like a, a pulp writer a really famous pulp writer said uh justice's prose is knife sharp he didn't really like the story because it was just too grim for him he said mm-hmm. by the end of the story there's no redemption for gauge i'm like yeah because he's an inhuman monster I'm like yeah he's of course, he's been sent to this prison in Hell, Arizona, for three years for a crime he didn't commit. He's gonna get out, and he's gonna get revenge on the five did, people who sat on there. Be
0: angry. It's yeah.
1: it's like the ultimate story. Revenge is the ultimate fantasy. You know, it's it it feels good to get revenge, and that's what was feeling. So I did a lot of like Slayer and that kind of release exciting. the Slayer. <laughs> yeah, fans. and and it was just like super intense. Um, and then uh, what else? And then for yeah for my cozy a lot of like 30s music and then for um yeah so it's just kind of like you know but normally my writing stuff is everything from i love lionel hampton he's a vibraphone mm-hmm. player From you know i love his music and that's usually what i'm writing but some soundtracks the alien 1979 alien soundtrack because mm-hmm. it's so ambient and and kind of stark i love the soundtrack to the movie ravenous um mm. uh, michael uh michael nyman um and uh just you know things like that that will come mm-hmm. out vince garaldi you know all oh, of that kind of jazz
0: absolutely and
1: then and then i have a lot of mozart and a lot of beethoven not the yeah. not the singing stuff except for the, the the miss a and the uh requiem yeah but i want to get back to your to your writing i heard you talking about outlines before so yep. organization are you are, Tell me about are you you're more of an outliner, planner versus a pantser, obviously, right? I
0: I am I am definitely now more of an outliner. Okay, um, tell me
1: about your organization.
0: Um it helped me so much with the second book. It helped me um and it helps me with my articles and um it just uh it keeps me I I love to go on bunny trails. I love to go out and where some of them can be good, I like to kind of stay within the story. So it just doesn't get too far. And like I said, I experienced that a little bit in the first book, um, where I just found for me, for me, I just seem to write better when I think about the story as a whole, and what I want to happen um, between um, the, the main plot and the subplots. And, you know, I kind of think about, okay, what's the, what's the top plot? What is the, what's the top story? What's the underlining story? What's maybe a little B plot we could have going in the background, you know, that may rear its head in another book. Um, So I try to keep that in mind. And I just, I get, I kind of look at it like playing dot dot to dot. I I take the chapters, I, I take the ideas. This is what I, what I, what I've been doing. I take the ideas for the names of the chapters to take me in the direction that I want the book to go. Does that mean that's going to be the chapter's aim? No, but it helps me stay in that direction and then I kind of will write a and it seems like a lot but I'll write a little summary just about a paragraph about what I want to happen in that chapter and okay. how that's how that's going to propel the story so it doesn't get too far off or stray away from the story or the plots. And, um, what's really cool is like a lot of times when you read a book, you read something in the first few chapters and then it sort of goes dormant during the book. And then all of a sudden at the very end, it rears its head together and it ties together so much, you know, and it's like, how did, how did they do that? And it's like, well, I wrote a little bit about it here and here and here. And then I did a little sideline where, here's how it's going to grow and nurture during everything else that's happening. And then when you get some situations like only that, that issue can really resolve the problem that's going on midway in the book or towards the end, all of a sudden you've forgotten about that element and they come back in and save the day, you know? So it, it, I'm a very visual person as much as I like music. I'm so visual. And when I have it in front of me and it's like, I'm, when I, when I do my outline, it's sort of like your notebook, there's lines, there's this, there's, there's, you know, doodles, you know, mm-hmm. what, what the monster might look like or what okay. is going on or so. And, and it helps me write. I feel I write better when I do that.
1: Yeah, I get it. I totally get it. Um, Yeah. I'm an organizer as well. I, I have to uh, like a, a lister. You know, like when I get my ideas yeah. and I develop them, um, I think mine came come from just being spending so much time in academia, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and and having to have a plan and organize and what I would teach my students, uh, you know, to develop a paper. And so I would do the same thing. I would, you know, you always have to start off with an idea, then you develop it. Yeah. And I, you know, when yeah. you're starting off with the idea, you never know where everything's going to fit yet. I'm just like, right you're just generating you're brainstorming and so every idea i have for a book or an idea like i'll just write it down and not everything's going to make it and then i start trying to figure out okay what's how's the then i start putting the pieces in place like i got all the pieces now where do i want them and then in the terms of like my my cozy um i actually color code my outline um is I have elements that where the cozy elements are one color, the mystery is one color, the exposition's another, a secondary yeah, plot is another color. Yeah. So for me, I see a visual like, okay, if I'm writing a cozy element, the the color helps me remember. Like, okay, sure. let's, let's really cozy this up. Let's try to make sure. where if it's the mystery element, that's totally, what I'm really get, that. On, you totally know? get
0: that. get it, that.
1: And it's been helpful for me. So, um, so I love, I love that. I love that you have that writing a paragraph for it is, and then when you see things coming to coming together. I think outlining enables you to kind of leave those breadcrumbs because you know what the you know what the end's yeah, gonna be.
0: Yeah, you yeah. see
1: the whole roadmap, and so you're allowed you uh, can do those things earlier on. Kind of the drop those hints that you see, like M. Night Shyamalan does so well. You know that you don't know their hints until after you see the end. Exactly.
0: Exactly. Like, oh, yeah. That,
1: yeah. That's how he does it. Like, yeah. That's comes from planning. Yeah. And and so that's why I'm I'm always amazed at these pantsers, the writers who have they just start off, they, they have no idea where they're going. I'm like, yeah, I, I can't imagine.
0: And, and you know, that's that. cool too. I mean, you right. they, a, do
1: it, they, they do it. They do it. They yeah. more power to them. Yeah. I just, my brain couldn't handle trying to construct an entire story and characters. But that, that's and, how you know, I
0: did the first book just like that. And you know, I was, I was defiant about organizing and I was defiant about doing an outline. I just, I just, I just want to write as it goes. And the more I thought about it, and the more I started writing, and when uh, probably after the first book, when I was offered a couple opportunities to write articles for magazines, um, I felt that I should probably take a uh, a better, a more of a pro stance, uh, professional stance on how I do my writing. And that's when I started doing it. And now, now I, I love it, and I and I wouldn't do it without it because you do uh for me not you know like i said i did the first book like that and um but for me I, I like the idea you even see that in in uh book series you know where where something from a book that happened two books ago comes up in a fourth book you know and right. it's like do you think they plan that and it's like well absolutely absolutely yeah. you know or, else or they see that something
1: works something resonated with them right right because i'm not sure how many books that plan had. like the cozy mystery series has always been four so i know gage black's a trilogy so i know the larger story arcs
0: so you've sort of outlined all three of them
1: yeah so i yeah. kind of know like death's head could be an ongoing series we'll see but um, you kind
0: of have to though i i mean yes, i would think you, you would have, have to, to. kind
1: of know where you're going to go what's going to happen in a general sense
0: and isn't it fun yeah. for the reader it's like when those for me as when i read I like when you feel like you're in on something. Sure. You know, it, it rears its head again, or it's a person yeah. or a character that you've forgotten about. And all of a sudden that person comes in mm-hmm. on the back of a stallion and saves the day. And it's like <laughs> it totally works. You know, it's like, oh my gosh, I for it's Eric and his men, you know, it's uh Eric the Red and his clan coming in to save the day. You yeah. know, it, all of those things that we can, you know, not only visualize but we have feelings you know and mm-hmm. uh, so and it was really it was really fun because like what you're saying about writing about where you grew up there's just something special about doing that that's kind of fun you mm-hmm. know it's something yeah. i might i might and, and and what was really fun about it too was well, it was only like five thousand words? That's sure. why I wanted to do a book of individual stories, right? You know, so the yeah.
1: anthology because you could you could write, in five thousand words, you got about 20, 15 to twenty pages. You can do anything. It's just short, get in and get out. You know, and, and you cover anything. Um, but no, I I I uh, yeah, I like there's something about about that, the memories of the place, sharing that you know, yeah. and, and, and it's like sharing, but it also inventing at the same time. It's, yeah. it may not have been the precise thing that happened, but it was close enough that you can, you can talk about the, how it felt, you know, yeah. the experience of it. Yeah. And, um, even something as silly as like, uh, there, there, what I, the, where I lived, there was a, a funeral home kind of, um, catty corner, uh, to us and we could see in the back where they had like a big garage and and so the kids who who lived in houses a couple houses down with me we would always play together and we were always imagining like because we were pretty young that this back room you know those big like garages where they had like all their tractors and stuff um we thought that this is where they kept all the the coffins yeah and we were thinking i bet if we go in there we can find a body (laughs) (laughs) and that's the kind of stuff that when you're you know 10 years old that's oh, man, it, that's total scooby-doo exactly that's what you're thinking and we were like because we were afraid we were gonna get caught like oh no we're gonna get in jail for like breaking in you know i mean we we never did anything about it but the memories of that talking about that made their way into my first book because the the characters were talking about that you know yeah. i i love being able to kind of drop those and using real yeah. life real memories that are kind of funny or embarrassing and kind of bringing them up into, into a book because I, you know, it just kind of happened. It came out. I didn't write in my, in my outline, you know, Abby and Ray talk about this. It's just, they are having dinner, you know, with their with Ray's parents. And it just kind of happened. This was one of the rare scenes where the characters kind of took over because I'm like you, I'm a visual writer. I, I it's like, I, I see a movie in my head and I'm just yeah. trying to write yeah. with words what I'm seeing. And this was the instance where, like, for an hour and a half, I'm writing the scene, and and I didn't realize how much I was smiling until at the end, I was my cheeks oh, were so sore because I was it was joyous, and it was like it was effortless, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And just having this memory, it was so much laughter and fun in this scene, and and like all these memories, I'm like, most of them were like really my memories of like growing up in this town, and to be able to put them in the story like that, and like it triggered the memories, like I wasn't consciously thinking of it, yeah. But to have it come out in the story and like, oh, okay. I get to share that's that. A t-
0: that's a total Monster Kid chronicle story too. Yeah. Whole whole idea of, of you and the neighborhood kids, the the old man who has the tractor shed down down the street. But it's really, we, that's where they make the coffins. Exactly. <laughs> right. I
1: know. Well, speaking of feelings, this is my ham-handed segue into my next question. Tell me how you felt when you saw your book in print for the first time, when you held it in your hands, here it is. What was that like? Yeah. Oh, great. Let's hear about that.
0: I was terrified. I just, uh, I was just, uh, well, the first, the first book I got back um, there was a typo. It said, Big in Japan, a novel by Tomothy Price. Oh no, <laughs> uh, on
1: your name.
0: I oh, got I got no. a bunch back and uh so uh um and I was already going to G Fest. Um luckily the name was in it was smaller. You could have drawn like a stick of an eye. You could have said that's
1: just the dot for the eye. Just had a big giant.
0: <laughs> I put Bye. in a rush order for round tickets and what I did, or round little circle stickers, that said special G-Fest edition. Oh. And I took the round sticker and put it right here, so it just looked like I threw it there. Oh, it nice. Covered up, it covered up the, uh, the, <laughs> the misspelled word. Perfect. So, so if anybody has one of those G-Fest special edition, they sold out. That's fantastic. <laughs> I love that. So I was always <laughs> weird about picking up books, but once I picked it up terrified picked it up and went through it and i like the size of the font sure and i didn't see anything standing out that i would stress upon or about um it's pretty dang exciting yeah pretty dang exciting i mean this this to me i love it i love it i love i love i love having these i love yeah i have them displayed on my fireplace it's very important to me and i'm not trying to brag about them but it's something that is very special to me and and we both know it takes quite the commitment to write a novel when you finish a book and you put that period there whether you put the end or you have a plan to continue it there's nothing like that i mean just that that feeling of accomplishment—that sure you did something that a lot of people set out to do that most will not finish. Yeah. <laughs> um, so okay, just a couple more questions. I'm sure. gonna wrap this up.
1: <laughs> what is your writer fantasy?
0: Um, if you have one, I do. And okay. and as my wife walks past me, it's been uh, it's been an idea that she's been telling me to do for a long time and that's to do uh my biography oh, nice. um from from how like like i said earlier how my upbringing was and mm-hmm. how that affected my life and how i wound up in treatment so early and and then living that lifestyle on the road for 10 years and then you know finally after you know uh three attempts at treatment and in and out of jail. And um, oh my gosh, all, all of the stuff that you, that you kind of think about when you think about the life of an addict um, that by the grace of God, I got through, you know? Um, and your goal would be
1: to share the story. I mean, I'm, I'm dovetailing into question about your yep. ministry here. Yeah. So is it, is, would it be then to say, look, here here i am here's what i went through this is going to resonate with a lot of people who are in similar situations yep and i'm going to give you a little bit of hope that you probably don't have otherwise so instead of there is something there is something better exactly that you can can achieve
0: so instead instead of of like hiding it through a fictional character like tommy or nathan i just come clean and just write about me and yeah my upbringing and where where it's led me and uh and, and quite frankly, the amazing and wonderful life I've been given in recovery, mm-hmm. because you, I wouldn't even know you, Mark, if, right. if, if uh, you know, you've, you've never known me as somebody who was an addict. Mm-hmm. Nobody at G-Fest, I never, I see even something as simple as going to G-Fest is something that never would have happened if I was an addict, you know, because they're just things that you don't think about. You don't think about family. You don't think about uh, in a good way. You don't think about the things you can do, unless you're kind of dwelling on it and wishing those were the things you could do, you know. And I, I, I've gotten so much. I've gotten so much, and I, I would just love to share with people how, man, if it can work for me, it can work for you. That's you great. Know? And there- Well, that's your, that's your ministry.
1: I mean, would you like to talk about your ministry? It's faith, recovery, and music. I mean, this is a good platform for you to showcase what you're doing. I mean, that's one thing. I mean, uh, I'm okay with, you know, we are going to differ, differ theologically all day, but that's okay. That doesn't change the love that we have for one another. Yeah. Um, I'm an apostate for all the reasons that I will be happy to share you. I'll send you my copy. Right, Right. Right. And that's okay. Yeah, that's not that's not relevant to me because gotcha. Um, that that doesn't matter to our friendship, to our relationship. Yeah. You know, I mean, like the first person I'm just gonna tell you the first people to when I first showed my cover on Facebook, I got a lot of flack from a lot of my Christian friends and, and right. family, and some people. I mean, one of them even like unfriended me. Um, but the first person to reach out to with me with love was Mark Matsky. Hmm. You know, and you just said, "I just want to say, I love you, brother. Yeah, I love wow, you." Wow, that's and, big, and like,
0: coming, coming from Mark too. Well,
1: I mean, that's, I mean, the Matskis are just beautiful people. You know, yeah. so yeah. so, theologically aside, yeah, um, I think that your ministry and what you do to reach out to people because you have a heart because you've been there. That's the thing. You've been there. You know what it's like. But you also are on this side. I, I'm so proud of you for thank your you. ministry. I, and I, I support you 100% in that ministry. I think it's a beautiful ministry that you do. Thank and you. Um, so just, I'll let you sure. talk about okay. faith, recovery, and music and, and how you do that, what your goal is, what you want to do, because this is your platform now and share it with the world, my friend.
0: Well, you know, for me, um, and thank you, and I love you, buddy. And there's nothing that's going to change that. No, I Um, love you, man. Yeah, You know, and I got to tell you what, man, I, uh, I, uh, I believe for me that what happened in my life and, you know, you're probably going to get a lot of people that do that, the head slap and oh my gosh, he's a nut. But, you know, I, I say that I was, you know, I started, I started drinking and doing drugs when I was 11 and I know a lot of people start at a young age and coming from my upbringing, which we talked a lot about with Tommy and, and with both Nathan, my characters, um, uh, instantly for me, um, medicating with drugs or, and or alcohol made me feel better. It made me, it made me feel like something, It just medicating made me not feel like that person that had been beaten into me that I was, that I wasn't, if that makes sense. Uh And I've, I've always, I've always had a belief in God and, but I never, it wasn't the fact that I didn't believe in God. My problem was I just didn't think God liked me Uh and after so many years of addiction and being out there and, and, and I, I went through the, the whole drunk a log a few minutes ago. Um, and this is where people think I'm a nut is that I, I honestly Mark, I feel like God talked to me mm-hmm. and I feel like, I feel like uh, some people in recovery will call it a moment of clarity. Um, and if you're unfamiliar with that term, what that means is all of a sudden for some reason you see everything as it is and it could be in the middle in the midst of your darkest hours a lot of times it is you know you're you could be on the the floor of your rock bottom or you could think you're at rock bottom and the trap door just opened and you went down even further because rock bottom there there is no rock bottom it it goes down as far as This is further than you want to think it does. Um, So anyway, and I had that where I felt God talked to me and showed me in a way that made it understandable for me after years of people trying to help me to quit, you know, and people who loved you saying, oh my gosh, quit. Can't you see what it's doing to you and your family? And I never could. I couldn't see it. I never understood it. and, And all of a sudden... I got that. And God showed me my life as it was. And almost like uh almost like a Christmas carol showed me where it was and where it was going. And dude, I was I was on my way out. There's no doubt about it, you know? And um and one of the biggest miracles, if not the biggest miracle in my life, is that it was that moment. That I literally stopped. That moment was 28 years ago, and it's been 28 years since I've drank or done any or or have um, taken any illicit drugs or smoked crack or did blow or whatever you wanna whatever whatever you wanna put in front of me, you know. And um, it changed my life. And my my beliefs in God stem mainly. From, if people ask me why I believe, for instance, I don't say because of my up, you know, because of most of my problems that ever stemmed from religion weren't products of God, but they were products of the church and of people. Doctrine, you know? Yes. And uh, that's, and, and I know a lot of us suffer with that. And you know what? If If you're listening and you had a bad experience with either the church, or with people of the church who judged you or berated you or made you feel like you didn't belong there. I apologize for them because that's not what it's about, you know? And um, the church should be meeting you at your point of need, wherever that I, is. I don't go to church. Cause we said it earlier. I'm not going to church cause I'm perfect. I'm right. going to church cause I need to go to church sure. know, for right. me. Yeah. And I need to go to church because I'm not, I drink and drug because of my wiring. I didn't, my wiring aren't, is not a product of my drinking and drugging. I drank and drug because of how I'm wired, because of that committee I talked about, because of my upbringing, because of this, because of my low self-esteem is how I medicated. So if, if I stop drinking, I still need to work some sort of program. And, and that program can be a lot of things for a lot of people. It can be AA, which is spiritual based. It can be uh, Celebrate Recovery, which is Christian based. It can be anything that, for God's sake, gets you clean and keeps you happy. So you're not gnashing your teeth and white knuckling it all the time and walking around clean, but miserable, because that's, mm-hmm. right. that's not what it's all about. That's not what it's all about. And I, and over the years, the 28 years that I've spent in consistent recovery, my belief is based upon the miracles that I've seen in those 28 years. Can I got to tell you, dude, there are some things that I just, uh, circumstances that you could just immediately blow off as co- complete coincidences. When you When you start getting, seeing them over and over and over again, you, you just begin to realize, at least for me, I began to realize or believe that there's something much bigger at play here. Um, and with this ministry, I feel um, God has given me an opportunity because I didn't want to do it. <laughs> I want to do it, man. And I, and at first I didn't want to do it because I thought, because I was too broken. You know, I, am the guy who struggles with alcoholism. I'm the drug addict. I'm the guy with the committee in my head. You know, I'm the guy who does all the things. Yeah. I love kiss. I love metal. You know, I, you know, I, I do this, I do that. I, I don't want to stop playing metal. I love, I love watching monster movies. I love slasher movies. You know, I love all this stuff, you know, and it's like, frankly, you know, I I don't want to it, give it up.
1: Right, and it, and it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. I, I think that's what you're showing. Yeah, and
0: it does, it doesn't none of it stop.
1: none of it matters in a spiritual sense because it's the church. It's what set those kind of
0: rules up. Absolutely, before. absolutely. I want to be clear about that. Yeah. You know, it's like I love writing stories about monsters, and I love playing music. I love, I love. I'm like you. I love all sorts of music, though. You know, it's like I I put out a CD last year of instrumental Christian hymns.
1: Mm-hmm. You know? Oh you know yes yeah, some i some of my favorite tunes i remember songs were on that and i just love your picking style oh, thanks, i mean thanks. i and i you i asked once for you sorry to get off track uh if you could if you had something from um Garaldi and and the the peanuts and i think it was was it um christmas skating, time is here? christmas time or yes yes i think so and i was like oh did I make you a CD and send I, you? one? You know, I'm. I think you sent me a link to well, give me the song, and then wasn't it on YouTube? Did you have it on YouTube? Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I'm gonna make you a CD I, because okay, I'm
0: gonna I'm gonna do a, a Christmas instrumental CD. Wonderful, so, but um, but I love doing that. But then again, you know, I love playing a Les Paul through a Marshall stack on eleven. Yeah. You know, right? And so and I also. Know that there's a lot of people who want to be clean, who believe, but feel maybe because of some of the things they like that they're not worthy, and it's not a question yes. of yes or they have to give them all up. It's, it's not. We're right. not perfect, and it, it's and maybe if you believe it, you know it doesn't mean it doesn't mean it's a fault, or it doesn't mean that um what I'm thinking is a mistake, and God's forgiven me for it. Um, what it means is, is no matter what it is, God accepts you, period, period. And, you know, I, like I said, I used to think because I was broken, God didn't want me to do this, but the fact is it's broken people who are so much better at helping other broken people. Right. You know, um, I'm going to get far much further talk. Somebody I believe who has struggled with drugs and alcohol we'll maybe get a little, hopefully, hopefully we'll get a little more relief talking to somebody who's been on that same path, that same journey where they can share the outcome and the outcome is good. It's got a, it's, it's got a happy ending, you know, and it's like, you know, and, and when I talk about the committee, you wouldn't believe how many people just, when I start talking about You know, I'm not saying I I have voices in my head and I need to be hauled off in the padded um, ambulance, like I said earlier, but a lot of us have those, those incessant voices that continually tell us when I share that. And all of a sudden people go, you get that too. And I'm like, yes, they feel so much better. And you know what? You have a choice. You don't have to believe that bullshit. You don't have to believe those words in your head. That's, that's, that's the stuff Just because they're there
1: doesn't mean they're true.
0: Yeah. And, and to me, that stuff is not of God. That stuff is more of people that have instilled beliefs uh, or uh, discouraged you by any whatever means that has made you feel less than you deserve to feel, you yeah. know. Well, we carry that that. trauma with us. Childhood, we carry
1: trauma our whole lives. And sometimes we're going to process it. It's going to take a long time to process these things. And
0: that's that's what we try to do. We try to, you know, we are a, uh, I'm not a doctor. I am not a doctor. I am a knucklehead who, by the grace of God, has accumulated 28 years of recovery. And I feel like, um, again, I feel like um, I was approached and called to do this Because, you know, and I was going to say the second reason I I didn't feel I should do this goes along the lines of what I'm saying, I want to play guitar, I want to play music, I want to write, these are the things I like to do, and selfishly, this is what I want to do, I want to write, I want to play music, you know, and I just so happen to have 28 years, and I work a pretty good solid program I sponsor people, I reach out, I go to meetings, I do the things that help me stay sober, you know, but I don't know if, look, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be straight and upfront with you. I don't want to give up playing. I don't want to give up writing. Yeah. I don't want to give up these things. And God went, that's not the plan.
1: Right. No one's asking that. you to.
0: Yeah. We're, yeah. yeah. Right. But that's where I go. I go. Well, I well go that was the church
1: people. I grew up in. My yeah. experience growing up was you know once you become saved then you have to give up everything you've ever done because it's all worldly you know and that that is a crushing kind of pressure to grow up and thinking, my God, there is just nothing fun. Like, why the hell am I doing any of this? Amen. You know? And then by the time I was 10, I was having cognitive dissonance with my faith. Like I knew at 10, like something was fucked up about all this, you know, I, and I just, it, but I was taught this is the reality and, yeah. you know, and because no one could answer my questions. Yeah, I had deep theological questions at age 10 and, yeah. and, and that's, that was my recovery coming out after 40 years of yeah. systematic emotional abuse and religious abuse
0: and there's so much of that
1: it is it, and and that's so i i i applaud you well we're on that end it's like we're both recovering from the trauma that we've suffered amen. when we were younger
0: and my, our um, when we do the podcast we have uh myself we have a gentleman named jeremy garris who owns uh uh, spirits at rest treatment facility in montgomery minnesota and we have uh our good friend pastor christopher on there and i gotta tell you what man greatest guys in the world awesome and and i like what he says he says you know you don't have to be an addict you don't have to be an alcoholic because we're all recovering from something right and i think a lot of us are recovering from trauma in the church sure and you know that's just i don't say that to i don't say that to belittle my god or my belief in Jesus Christ. I say that, that I think there's a lot of things that are a bit of strew. We are, we're a non-denominational ministry and our guidelines, I have to put our guidelines up because they're quite simple. They're mm-hmm. quite simple. We are simply children. And this is for faith recovery music. We're simply children of God. Um, we'd like to be clean. Um, my, my I was brought up as a Christian, so it's a Christian ministry. Um, we are completely non-denominational. And if you want to take your, we keep it as simple.
1: Right. Keep it as keep kiss, it simple, stupid, right.
0: Yep, as possible where if you have further beliefs within your Christianity or your, your religion um, and you have doctrines that you feel compelled to abide by, We encourage you to do it, but this isn't the place. It's not here. Right. You know, we're simple. We want to, we want to serve. We want to, we want to help others. We want to work our recovery and we want to thrive in life. We want to have a good life and, and there's no way you're going to get that life if you're struggling with addiction on a daily basis. And if you can't get out of the, the hatred of your own self and you know, Personally, me, again, the reason I I believe um, is because of the miracles that I've seen over and over and over. And not looking at it as a perspective of um, being judged or, or the things that have happened to me as a churchgoer, but looking at it as how God or Jesus wants me to continue my life you know, so much of it becomes man-made doctrine and man-made this and man-made that. So, mm-hmm. um, that's where I stand with it. And what I love about it is that I'm getting shown more miracles through and, and it's, it's not like, it's not like, I, I, I don't, I don't know what it on, to be 100% honest. I don't know what is real and what is not real in the essence of a lot of things, but I do know this. I've seen a lot of people get their lives back. I've seen a lot of people happy. I've seen a lot of people starting to thrive and people who are doing the things that they want to do, um, be it as musicians or writers or, or whatever, or seeking a job that they never thought they could have or go back to school or whatever, because they're finding out who they are and they're finding out that their their identity is not within their addictions, you know uh-huh. and that's that's what we're really big about and to kind of tie it in with everything, my dream for this um what I hope and what I pray about is that one that it's never I get to do a lot I get to do a lot of the things I love and there is no denying that i get to i get to write music i I'm so tickle that i get to write music that people like and listen to we both know that's a great feeling yes i i write a lot in the ministry i write a lot of stories i write a lot of my own experiences and i um it's just awesome to get to use what i feel are my strongest points in something that has the ability to help people with their lives so i'm hoping as if if it's Seen fit, if God sees fit, that this ministry will grow, continue to help people. And we expand and we help more people through music, through writing. And not just me, man, I'm 55 years old. I'm not even going to be here that much longer.
1: Yeah. So it's like we we feel the encroachment of our mortality.
0: I'm thinking, holy crap. Yeah, that can continue on, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's something that can't be about me. Sure. Because the the subject is so much stronger than what i am and what right. i think i am you know i'm just the i'm just the guy that i feel was called upon to kind of get it started and i think god kind of bribed me saying you know well i'll let you play guitar i'll let you play music you can even do you can do whatever you want tim and it's gonna work because there's a lot of people out there who don't think they can do some of this stuff sure so that's fine, wow. that's
1: fantastic Tim um I mean, that's just wonderful and and just to know that you feel like you are being used in that capacity i mean purely as a in a non religious way, just as psychologically and and as a counseling kind of way of being a mentor
0: yeah
1: um it there is there is something you have a lot of ethos. So the ethical appeal, the ethos is reliability. Like, yeah, yeah I've been there. I've done, I've done that, yeah. you know, and it's just like being a mentor and anything else you are a mentor because you've kind of been there and you can help other people who are, Absolutely. you look back and say, yeah, I, I've been through this. Let me help you kind of get to where I'm, I'm going to go. Well, your path yeah. may be a little different,
0: but uh, I can help you along the way. And, and I appreciate, that's a really important. I appreciate you respecting where I'm coming from, because <laughs> I get put in a lot of uh, situations where, you know, if you're, if you're at a recovery meeting, and you're talking about your recovery, it's like shooting ducks in a barrel. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. If you're, if you're at a, a church or a church gathering, and you're talking about your faith and your recovery, again, it's kind of like shooting ducks in a barrel, you know, but, but God in his infinite wisdom is, kind of found it funny to like when i go out he always seems to put me in front of a beer garden yeah you know, or something like that but irony
1: <laughs> it yes. is
0: total irony you know and right uh, and I'm he's bringing it you to the
1: apostates show but i figured he he you know he made an ass to speak once
0: I, he could do it again right hey man and i gotta <laughs> tell you though it, it's like you walk into those situations scared to death yeah you know, like right now you know I know and love and trust you. Sure. You know, where I know, even if our beliefs are different, you know, you, you're you not going to start throwing books at me and doing this and challenging me, but no. it, it does happen. It does. Oh, happen. I, I, yeah. I always oh, certainly. Certainly. But I mean, I, I have a lot
1: of anger, but it's not directed toward the people who I know who are, I, I love.
0: Right. You know, and I appreciate and- your, uh, I appreciate how you, you, even with how you think, and how you are you you still let me talk about it and bring it up and you see the importance of it and dude that's amazing i uh-huh. mean that that that's thank you um and um you're welcome you know we don't we don't compete with any other recovery organizations you know like aa or na or or anything you know it's just the fact of the matter is the numbers are huge Fucking huge yeah. for the people that are are getting taken out from addiction, you know the whole new opiate epidemic, right. you know, and and just it, it's nuts. The fentanyl, the in the alcohol numbers that just continue to grow. And it grew, grow. Up,
1: especially during the pandemic. It's got a lot worse.
0: absolutely. And and when that went up during the pandemic, right? Of course, suicide rate followed right behind. Sure, you know, and. Yeah it's important. It's important. And I, yeah. I don't like to bring up stats and I'm not going to bring up stats, but I've had to do, I've had to talk to rotaries. I've had to talk to churches. I've had to go to places where I'm trying to get funding and backing to help the ministry. Cause you know, like we're a nonprofit, you know? And so you, you're kind of forced to look at some of the stats. It's mind blowing. If somebody is coming out of the throes of addiction or alcoholism and they they've truly they've truly been put through the ringer and had, have had years of trauma, um, and you're like me, you've gone to jail for it, you've had other things happen in your life, uh, DUIs, treatment, destroyed relationships, physical and mental abuse from both ends. you know if somebody if somebody tells you that they can quit willy-nilly and not really have to work on themselves that's usually sort of like the same lines as uh, a Christian who thinks they're perfect, you know. Yeah, I'm telling you, gang, it's not about being perfect, it is not about being perfect, and you don't have to be perfect. and Don't let you yeah, take that pressure off of yourself. That. That's part of the yeah, committee's
1: absolutely that's what their adults
0: are telling you. Yeah, they got to take that pressure
1: absolutely, off, absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, that, thanks, that perfection so. doesn't exist, you know.
0: Thanks for letting me share about it. And if uh, oh, my pleasure. If you are interested, can I give the website? Yeah, I was just going
1: to ask. Like, as the last two things I was going to ask was one is where can we find your books, and then mm-hmm. two, where can we find Faith Recovery and music? You know, tell us all your email sure. addresses and all address your know, Facebook all that jazz.
0: Yeah, man, I'm I'm all over the place. uh So
1: we can find your so- books at. I, on I amazon think on, i
0: think they're still on amazon i've seen on um, amazon
1: and we, we yeah, can also
0: uh i think they're on ebay i think people buy them and sell them i think people do a lot of that with other people's books you know i'll have to look but, and see if i'm if yeah, I'm it, on there i, I might. saw one it was like 19 dollars. <laughs> don't buy it there go to, go to amazon. um and if you even hate the book leave a nice review uh, That's right <laughs> um, excellent um and uh um faith faith, recovery and music recovery music um is uh we're on facebook where it's a private group where if you or anybody you know who is struggling and just wants to be part of the group where they can share their their successes and have a place to reach out sometimes a lot of a lot of positivity you know a lot of music um Mm -hmm. that's we have a face group page again it's private faith recovery music uh, Our website is faithrecoverymusic.com. And we also have a weekly podcast, Faith Recovery and Music weekly podcast that is, um, it's on like, it's through uh, Anchor FM. So it's on like seven platforms, Apple, Spotify, um, a couple others, iTunes, a few other ones that I can't recall right at the moment. Um, And we also have a YouTube channel. So we have a lot of content out there, um, a lot of music, a lot of, uh, original music that pertains to not only faith, but to recovery, you know? So if you're, if you are in recovery and a lot of us are, you want some inspiring recovery music, uh, people seem to really like it, you know, and, uh, you know, so we're kind of everywhere. So, uh, um, check it out if, um, if you want to learn about it or more importantly, if, uh. You know somebody it could help excellent all right well i'm gonna wrap I up love this, I love this <laughs> man me doing too it.
1: you've been watching and listening to between the lines you can listen to us on unsayingradio.com get full episodes there or download to your device you can watch us on our youtube page between the lines podcast that's where we're at right now don't forget to hit the subscribe button and if you know someone who would like our show tell them about us if you're a I writer like Thank you, Tim. If you're a writer and would like to join me for a chat, email me at Between the Lines 54 at yahoo.com. That's Between the Lines 54 at yahoo.com. And here's my cheesy outgoing line. See you next time, Between the Lines. Ooh, <laughs> you even had the broadcaster voice. That's right. I know <laughs> my voice awesome. sounds wonderful in this microphone. Yes. Oh, man. Mark, that uh, was fun. That was it was. So we had fun.